everyone, and welcome to this edition to the Politically Incorrect Podcast, powered by Amazon. Well, senior writer Joseph Hammond of the American Media Institute is back as our guest. He was in the Middle East. And, you know, something that is being underreported is the debate over the Interlake Air Base in Turkey. Germany is pulling out its forces from the air base and moving to Jordan. Meanwhile, we have seen the trial recently of the Jordanian soldier who killed three Americans. Joseph, why don't you pick things up from there and let us in on this underreported story? Uh, it certainly is an underreported story, and I think that uh, this is a story that uh, involves uh, Americans in a number of ways as well. Um, you know, it's Turkey and uh, you know Germany um, have have been disputes on a number of issues um, for a couple of years now, but that really boiled over this summer when you know Germany um, decided that it was going to uh, withdraw uh, some of its forces uh, from the uh, NATO airbase at Inchilic. And I actually uh, had the opportunity uh, to travel uh, to the edge of that uh, airbase, and which is near Adana, one of the uh, largest cities in Turkey, uh, this summer as I received a grant uh, from Heinrich Wolf. Foundation Transatlantic Media Fellowship to report on this issue uh, and, and others uh, important to uh, transatlantic security. So yeah, this is a, a very interesting issue that uh, Germany has decided to pull out these forces and, and move them uh, to Jordan. Uh, they've already re relocated a uh, tanker they use for refueling uh, missions uh, in, the, in the fight against ISIS. These are all German forces uh, involved in the uh, fight against uh, ISIS. Uh, they are also planning to redeploy um, a group of, uh, I believe it's uh, four or six tornado uh, aircraft, uh, which are fighters from the Inflect Air Base uh, to Jordan, and sources in the German government tell me that will be completed by October. Um, so this will this will mean that uh, Germany will have only have just a handful of, of forces left in, in Turkey. And again, um, to back up a little bit, this is part of uh, simmering tensions between uh, Germany uh, and Turkey uh, that we have uh, seen for a, a number of years. What about the United States and Interlake? Yes, you know the Inslick Bay Air Base is also very important to the United States uh, and our, you know, involvement in the you know multinational uh, anti-ISIS uh, coalition that's fighting that terrorist group in in Syria and in Iraq. And uh, you know, sources in the Pentagon recently told me that something like thirty uh, percent of all the refueling uh, missions that uh, the U.S. has launched. Uh, for that mission have come out of uh, that, uh, you know, um, air base. And with, uh, you know, Germany leaving, um, there's questions about the future of uh, the U.S. Uh, access uh, to that air base, um, really interestingly on, on both sides. Um, we've had uh, in this year um, opposition newspapers, that is, uh, newspapers that are critical of the Turkish uh, government of the AK Party and its president, uh, Recep uh, Erdogan call for um, the U.S. to be um, kicked out of that base, and they don't think that the Turkish government should be allowing the U.S. access um, to that uh, air base, the, the Kemalist opposition um, to the Turkish government. And on the American side, we've had, uh, you know, General uh, Charles Wald, uh, who um, has called for, you know, potentially the U.S. leaving the Insuk air base. In recent months, he's also talked about, um, you know, the U.S., leaving the Alu Dade Air Base in, in Qatar. So uh, that 
part of that tension came about last year because last year there was an attempted coup attempt in, in, in Turkey, and mm-hmm. unfortunately, one of the Turkish officers uh, linked to that uh, coup uh, was also an officer on the Insulik Air Base, and uh, at one point, um, electricity to the air base uh, from Turkey uh, was cut off. The air base, of course, has its own electricity, um, sure. and there was some question about uh, if the if this uh, office, Turkish officer. Uh, was going to get asylum with the United States, um, and he, he did not, and he was turned over to Turkish authorities. Uh, apparently, Turkish officers use Insulik Air Base uh, in plotting the coup, potentially because of the fact that there are U.S. forces there, there are German forces there. When I was down there, I talked to people who said there's Qatari forces there, there's Saudi forces there. So that might have been why the coup plotters you know, had some of the planning and so forth um, take place there, because it might not have got as much attention from the Turkish government as uh, less international. Military facilities. We're talking to senior writer Joseph Hammond of the American Media Institute, just back from the Middle East and uh, looking at this amazing uh, story on the airbase in Turkey. Um, Joseph, with regard to the airbase in Turkey, uh, obviously, you know, as you say, it's been very important. Where would the United States consider leaving the base? And if so, is the Jordanian base the most likely spot for them to end up? You know, it, there's a lot of, uh, you know, well, we've seen a lot, you know, it's a very interesting time because I think in, in Washington and in the United States right now in the policy world because a lot of questions, a lot of sacred cows that have not been challenged in the past um, are being challenged. Um, you know, what is the status going to be of, you know, U.S. insulate. What is the status going to be of the U.S. Uh, at Al in Qatar? Uh, there's even an interesting debate going out about the access to uh, the British base in Diego Garcia, which has been so important to mm-hmm. U.S. Uh, anti-terrorism operations. Um, the British are co- coming up with a new agreement for that base uh, this year, and uh, the Chagosian uh, Islanders, who are native to Diego Garcia, who were, you know, deported from those islands before they became a U.S. base uh, could potentially be allowed back in the new agreement, um, and could potentially, you know, there's some talk of them, you know, taking up roles, um, working on that base on maybe some of the other islands, maybe not the island where the base is. Um, so these questions are really getting asked in a new way. Um, the issue is that the Insulik Air Base in particular is just so close um, to Syria. It's only, you know, it's less than 80 miles, uh, air miles, uh, to the Syrian border. So it's very, you know, strategically located, and it'd be difficult to think of a more strategically located uh, base. And, you know, Jordan has presented a host of challenges recently um, that we're not used to. I mean, Jordan is, and I want to be very clear about this, a frontline ally uh, in the fight against ISIS, a long-time U.S. ally, gets a lot of U.S. aid and military aid. Um, but, you know, we've seen more um, violence against American personnel um, in Jordan uh, than we have in Afghanistan um, in, in recent years. Uh, we just had, um, you know, so-called green on blue attacks uh, where, you know, perceived friendly forces um, suddenly turn on American trainers or Americans um, stationed uh, in that country. And we just had, uh, you know, the video was just released this summer of a very dramatic incident in Jordan um, where a Jordanian soldier um, was involved in killing three U.S. Uh, green 
um, berets uh, in, in a really dramatic uh, fashion. Um, and uh, that video had to be released because there were people uh, in Jordan um, who were saying that the Jordanian soldier who was on trial for these uh, premeditated murders uh, was being set up, that it was an accident, uh, that it was, you know, the U.S. soldiers, Green Berets, had failed to follow certain procedures. However, the video uh, makes clear, um, and it's, you know, you can find the video online, um, that this was a premeditated ambush of U.S. Green Berets that are returning to the base, which they perceive to be a safe uh, area, and they're just open, fired on. Now, it's interesting uh, that Germany, despite this, is deciding that, you know, and these kind of incidents are unheard of in Turkey. This just doesn't happen uh, in Turkey. But, you know, Germany, because of political reasons, is, is moving uh, to Jordan due to political disputes they have with the Turkish government, even though what's interesting, I read recently that uh, they do not yet have a legal status of forces agreement uh, in Jordan, which will make uh, German soldiers um, – immune to persecution under Jordanian uh, law. So I think uh, those are some of the reasons uh, that the U.S. might be reticent uh, to follow uh, Germany uh, in leaving you know, air bases like Insulik uh, for Jordan. We're speaking with senior writer Joseph Hammond of the American Media Institute. We'll talk more about the Middle East after these words from Amazon Prime. Hey, everyone. Let's talk a little bit about Amazon Prime now. If you are a fan of the Sunshine Boys, then you're going to get a free 30-day trial of Amazon Prime. Now, besides the bargains you get on pretty much everything you could ever possibly want, you get two days free shipping. In some cases, in some areas, you even get one day free shipping. Okay? You also get free access to Amazon Prime Video, the home of great original content like The Man in the High Castle, Transparent, Plus, some of your favorite binge-watching shows like Orphan Black, 24, or Downton Abbey. You also get access to thousands of very cool albums and CDs on Amazon Music, all for free. That's right. So, no reason why you should not take that 30-day trial that we're offering to you right here at the Sunshine Boys. Give Amazon Prime a 30-day free trial on us. We guarantee you're going to sign up afterwards. Just click the link in the box below. That's click the link in our description box to get 30 free days of Amazon Prime. Welcome back to the Politically Incorrect Podcast. I'm Jim Williams, your host. Our guest, senior writer, Joseph Hammond of the American Media Institute. He's back talking about the Middle East. We just were talking about what was going on in Turkey with Interlink uh, Air Base. Joseph, um, I know that uh, there's, you know, that's a key thing. You talked uh, also about the Jordanian uh, situation with the trial over the killed Americans, um, the Green Berets. What other things are flying under the radar in the Middle East? You are as wired into the Middle East as anyone. So um, what are some of the topics that you're looking into right now having to do with the Middle East? Well, I think that uh, one of the underreported topics uh, is the situation uh, in, in Libya. And um, that's because it's a very, you know, chaotic civil war. There's multiple factions. There's the internationally recognized government. Uh, there's a faction um, that's supported uh, by Qatar um, and some other actors. And then there is um, the name you see more and more in any news story about Libya is General Haftar. Uh, you know, and his faction is increasingly gaining ground. It's committed to fighting uh, Islamist terrorism. 
in Libya and to reducing the, the ground of those forces in Libya. It's received um, support from the Emirates, um, you know, from Russia to a certain extent, and, you know, uh, at least the United States, has, uh, certainly from Egypt, which has flown air support for it, and the Emirates also has flown air support uh, in support of Haftar's uh, forces, and it appears uh, potentially um, discreetly from the United States uh, as well. Joseph, um, you know, a lot has been done and said recently about what's going on in North Korea. Do you think that um, some of the countries in the Middle East are taking advantage of the uh, focus being at the moment on North Korea and less on what's going on in the Middle East? I think that is certainly the case. I think that, you know, uh, there's a feeling in the region um, that, uh, you know, the eye is off the region, you know, and, and uh, there's much more focus on what's going on in the Korean Peninsula. However, and I think we've we've spoken about this uh, maybe in the past, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the two issues um, are, are linked uh, in, a, in a number of ways. Um, you know, the fact of the matter is, uh, the, the Trump administration, you know, recently decided to extend uh, sanctions against Sudan um, for another three months. Uh, ostensibly, uh, one of the reasons was to make sure about North Korea, that uh, Sudan was one of the countries that was complying um, with uh, UN sanctions against North Korea. The United States under Trump, despite, you know, much media coverage um, suggesting a strong relationship between President Trump and President uh, Sisi of Egypt um, also cut e aid to Egypt. Um, another reason, again, being you know Egypt uh, having a close relationship uh, to to North Korea, and this is something I can personally attest to, having been to uh, Egyptian diplomatic receptions in 2013, where there were North Korean uh, diplomatic personnel, and you know being accepted and greeted on a very very high level. Um, you know Egypt has a war memorial. Um, that was built with assistance from North Korea, um, and Egypt has also had uh, military assistance uh, from North Korea in 1973 uh, during uh, its most recent war uh, with Israel. There were North Korean aviators um, that came to the assistance of, of uh, Egypt during that conflict. Um, and these are often underreported issues. You also have um, certain Gulf states um, that have um, had North Korean labors in recent years. Um, you've had South Korean media reports that some of the weapons in Yemen, for example, the Spud missiles, um, came from North Korea as well. And most, most worryingly, the other most worryingly connection to the region is there seems to be, you know, well-reported clear links between North Korea and its weapons programs and Iran and its nuclear program. What about Russia? How are they uh, a player in this region now? Uh, in, in, in the Middle East? Yes. Yeah, well, you know, and I think this is a, a, a good way to, you know, return to talking a little bit about, uh, you know, in particular with Libya, uh, with General Haftar, who has emerged as this warlord um, who has, you know, won a certain level of acceptance in the West through his commitment to fighting terrorism and terrorist groups in, in Libya with a no-holds-barred policy. Um, he's been, you know, made very good friends with uh, the Russia, with um the Russian government and uh, took a tour of a Russian aircraft carrier that came off Libyan um, 
waters uh and uh he's just really built a very very strong relationship uh with them as well as as well with the west um and in some ways um you know a little footnote in history russian interest in in libya is is nothing new um at the end of world war 2 um stalin uh was discussing you know the possibility of perhaps um, you know, just as uh, the British were given certain former Italian colonies in the Horn of Africa, that perhaps uh, Russia could, uh, you know, occupy Libya or part of, of Libya. That was uh, Stalin's uh, wish at the end of World War II, which, of course, was not um, recognized or granted uh, by the other um, allies. But, uh, you know, certainly Russia is increasingly working closer with Iran um in the region um and that started with syria but i think we're starting to see that uh in other you know regions as well we had you know we had uh saleh the former president of yemen who's now um you know very much involved in politics behind the scenes you know recently speaking about uh well the russians could have a base in yemen if they wanted or at least implying that um so you know uh russia you know probably the peak of russian actually then soviet influence in, in the region was 1973 but you know russia's influence in the region is, is certainly uh strengthening and and rising uh, for the time being what about israel at this point i know that um Things have been somewhat quiet in uh, in that part of uh, the Middle East, but um, you know, there's always uh, something that could pop up. Where do we look at when you look at Israel right now? What uh, what do you see as a potential um, stumbling blocks in, in the Middle East with them? Uh, right, uh, you know. Um... It's eerily quiet uh, around Israel these days. You know, that's what I was a little concerned about. Usually, when it's quiet, something is about to happen. And uh, you know, some things have been happened. And um, you know, I've written a story um, that you know, Palestinian armed groups, um, potentially Hamas, uh, have been, um, and this was in the United Nations reports, um, have been going outside of you know, kind of their home region um, and involved in the Libyan civil war. Um, indeed, the Libyan civil war has attracted, you know, actors from all over the region. You have Darfur rebels, which have joined forces with Haftar. You have rebel groups from Chad. Um, and for to focus on Hamas or Palestinian militants, you know, it does offer them a sort of potential area where they can practice and train um, the terrorist craft for the next round of fighting um, with Israel. Uh, and that's something that should definitely be monitored closely because we know that, you know, Hamas has worked closely um, with uh, Islamic militants uh, in Sinai and Egypt. Um, so Hamas is definitely not, uh, you know, which is, you know, the threat uh, to Israel from Gaza and, you know, threats primarily in launching rockets. Uh, but it also has a wider threat, which is destabilize, you know, not just, you know, Israel, but Egypt and potentially, you know, other areas in, in the region as well. So I think that and then we also have the situation for Israel along the Syrian border, um, where there has been, you know, exchanges of fire um, and other similar incidents. Um, there, which is also, you know, very disconcerting um, and could, you know, lead to further instability. But I think for Israel, it's really a time of waiting to see how things and trends shape out in the region. I think that it really speaks to um, the composure of the Israeli government that, you know, with all this, you know, anarchy in the region, they have been very, um, very deliberate with their foreign policy steps and in building relationships. Um, obviously, I think that uh, Egyptian-Israeli relations uh, in some ways are stronger uh, than they've been in a number of years. Amazing.
Well, I'll tell you what, before we go, um, give us a couple things that you personally are now you either working on or looking into um, as you um, pick apart what's going on in the Middle East. Well, I'm, I'm starting to look uh, more into uh, the Horn of Africa, which is increasingly becoming a region where there's a lot of geopolitical competition um, mm -hmm. between you know, a number of important countries. Uh, in particular, um, if you look at uh, Djibouti, where the U.S. has had a base for a long time, um, where Japan has had a base for a long time, China just opened a base. Um, you have the UAE opening a base in uh, Eritrea. Um, you know, you have uh, a, a long uh, story, but there's a very good chance that, uh, you know, this is a region where you're going to continue to see a lot of geopolitical competition in ways you wouldn't expect. Uh, there was a story in a Chinese newspaper in which a Chinese uh, military official um, accused Japanese frogmen of approaching a Chinese warship that was visiting uh, Djibouti. So there's, I think, a lot of, you know, very interesting underreported stories um, that could have, you know, important geopolitical ramifications from that region uh, of the broader Middle East, if you will, as well. Joseph Hammond, senior writer of the American Media Institute. Um, Joseph, where can we find your writings and find you on uh, social media? Yes, uh, my Twitter account is always the best place to uh, find all my latest stories, and that is at the Joseph H. And um, can we find your work on the American Media Institute uh, website? Yes, on the American Media Institute website. I've also written uh, some pieces recently. For example, if you'd like to read more about the uh, the German-Jordan-Turkey issue for Al-Arabiya, uh -huh. um, that's another place that I have a lot of my writing on the region. Brings to a close yet another edition of the Politically Incorrect Podcast. You know, if you aren't a subscriber, it's easy enough done. All you have to do is go to the iTunes Store, Google Play. Also, at Stitcher, where you can find a number of outstanding podcasts. And, of course, right here on Blog Talk Radio. So, for our special guest, our Middle East expert, senior writer Joseph Hammond of the American Media Institute, I'm Jim Williams, your host for the Politically Incorrect Podcast. And until next week, we hope that you have a wonderful and safe weekend.